Our gospel reading this morning is going to be from the book of John, the book of John, chapter 11. Let me get it through here. The book of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 37. When Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know you are God and will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And the Jews who were with her were in the house consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. And they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her were weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and moved. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus, Jesus began to weep. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man and kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb, and it was in the cave, and the stone was lying there. And Jesus said, take the stone away. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Thanks be to God. I'm sorry. There we go. So being the proper feminist that I am and being the word feminist, what I mean by that is the unique idea that women are people too. So being the (laughs) feminist that I am, I have always wanted to expose my children to female artists with one name and larger than life personalities and uh, great music. So that means my kids can probably recite every song from Reba and Cher and Madonna, Lizzo, and the one and only Dolly. Um, So it means that when we get into the car, that I can hear Winnie in the back seat scream, play nine to five with like her whole soul. Like that guy at every indie show that yells play Freebird, that's Winnie, except it's nine to five. We really like Dolly in our house. Both my kids can sing every line to Fancy, whether we like it or not. Um, They can sing every line to some Lizzo, like Truth Hurts, whether we like it or not. Um, All of those things, I really like female artists. I really like uh, hanging out with the girls and singing them really loud. And I 
I, you may not know this about me, but I really love Dolly Parton. Like, I really, really love Dolly Parton. So I was excited to be able to talk about this today. And I thought I would be remiss if I did not include one work from an icon such as Dolly Parton in our final installment of Finding God on the Radio. Now, this one may not be as familiar to y'all as some other Dolly songs because this is a new one. This one actually came out in 2018, and it's uh, actually from the soundtrack of a movie called Dolly. Dumplin'. I don't know if anybody has seen it. You should all watch it. Um, Dumplin' is on Netflix. It is a story of a plus-size girl from Texas that wants to be a beauty queen. Um, and it is silly, and it is wonderful. And the mom of the girl is played by Jennifer Aniston. And if that doesn't make you feel old, then I don't know what else is. I was like, man, how's Jennifer Aniston the mom of the 16-year-old girl? But anyway, um, but I love this song. You heard two voices in the song. Obvious, we could hear Dolly Parton. Um, the other one is Sia. I don't know if you're familiar as much with her, but she's a pop singer, and they kind of did this collaboration together for the soundtrack for the movie Dumplin'. Now, I find it easy to find gospel in a lot of Dolly songs. Uh, maybe half. Let's say half of Dolly songs. I'm probably not going to find that much Dolly in, I mean, not that much gospel in Jolene. Maybe not. We'll skip that one. Two Doors Down. Maybe not that one. Uh, or the favorite in our house, Why'd You Come In Here Looking Like That? Um... <laughs> We, we, there's not as much gospel in that one. But I find that you can hear a lot of gospel in a lot of Dolly's works, like The Coat of Many Colors, The Bargain Store. Um, let's, I really like that one. Love is Like a Butterfly. I feel like we can really hear the gospel in a lot of those works. And you can see a lot of gospel in the life of Dolly, too. Um, and if you're not following those deep-cut Dolly Parton references of these, then maybe we just can't be friends, because that is how much I love Dolly. Those, some of those tracks start in like 68. They're my favorites. Um, but the first lyrics that we hear Dolly sing, it says, I need someone to stand by you. Here I am. Here I am. I need someone to stand by you. When I listen to those lyrics in light of the gospel, all I can think is that half of our job is just showing up. Like half of our job is just to be present. It's just choosing not to walk this life alone. The God of all creation knew how important presence was going to be for us and how it will continue to be. When the Israelites left Egypt, he knew that they needed a cloud by day and a fire by night. He knew that because he knew that in their wilderness that they would need a God that was present. That in their despair, they would need a God that was there. When God's self knew that he needed a plan to redeem the world to take place, God knew that he would need the presence, that we would need Emmanuel, a God that was not only for us, but a God that was with us, a God that was present. Not long ago, a friend of mine's mother passed away, and I did the things that you do. I attended the funeral. I was there. I brought food, and I was, I was just a part of that thing that you do. But knowing what I know about grief, I know that when you lose a parent, that it's the afterwards that matters. It's the past the funeral is where you can see where your friends are. So a couple weeks after the funeral, I called her and I said, I really would love to go sit on a patio and share some cheese fries because French fries are her love language. But um, so I was like, we need, we just need to get together. We just really need to get together. So we sat on the patio, and she goes, is this some kind of weird pastoral grief counseling thing you're trying to do? And I was like, honestly, no. I don't know that I'm fully equipped to do that. If you need a counselor, I have a list. 
Uh, some people do, and there's no shame in that. Um, but I just wanted to be here. I don't have anything to say. I don't have any advice to give. I don't know what to tell you, but I just wanted to be here. Because sometimes life is difficult and the road ahead is complicated and it's long. And we as Christians, we're not required to have some supernatural words to say or some complex answers for the journey. We just have to follow the example of Jesus and that is to be present. The example that we find from God in the Old Testament, God in the New Testament, where he said, I just want to be here. I'm here. I'm here with you. Sometimes the best way to be the hands and the feet of Jesus is to be here. Dolly goes on to say, here I am reaching out to give you love that you're without. I can help you find what you've been searching for. Oh, here I am. Come to me. Take my hand because I believe I can give you all the love you need and more. Here I am. See, one of the best ways to emulate the ways of Jesus is just to replicate the love of Jesus. The best way to emulate Jesus is just to replicate the love of Jesus. Now, two weeks ago, I preached a lengthy sermon on the deep, intimate, never-ending, ever-pursuing love of Jesus. So I'm not going to rehash all of that out and hang out there again. But I want to discuss how we can spread that love to others. This past Wednesday in the youth group, we talked about hope. And the hope that is more than optimism. That hope is defiance against the structures of the world. It is a light that is deep down in our being that we must foster, cultivate, pursue, and spread. So before our final prayer time as a youth group, I got the kids those little tea light candles. I think they're actually still in the back, forgive me. But I got the kids these tea light candles, and I gave one to each kid, and I lit mine, and then I passed the light to the first person next to me, and then they passed the light to their neighbor, and then, you know, eventually our whole circle, everyone's tea light was lit. And then I repeated, and if you have heard me say this before, you will hear me say it a thousand times. I repeated my frequently used Advent adage, we light candles when we pray to remind ourselves that no matter how dark it gets, light finds a way. We light candles when we pray to remind ourselves that no matter how dark it gets, light finds a way. And then I wanted them to notice that our candles did not go out. My candle didn't go out because I handed it to Allie. And Allie's candle didn't go out because she handed the fire to Easton. When we spread it, we didn't dim our light. We just made more light. We turned out the lights and we had our prayer time by candlelight. It was a beautiful experience. But when we get a deep revelation of the love of God, we are unable to hide that love under a bushel to use our biblical terms. We're unable to keep it contained in our own tea light. We will be compelled by the Spirit of God to spread that love. So am I talking about evangelism? Is this what I'm about to do? Are we about to run into an evangelism sermon? No, not really. I think that's a lot of times where people take it. But here I'm just talking about loving people, loving your neighbor, in a world where technology is so prevalent and we can stick a heart emoji on any post from some distant friend that we haven't spoke to in five years, how do we really 
How do we really love people? How do we really get connected to the world around us? How do we reject this pseudo false connectivity and make lasting connections to really love the people in our lives and love the people around us? I think so often when we talk about loving our neighbor, we think about this homeless fellow on the corner, the person that comes up and asks for help in their time of need. And those are examples of our neighbor. I'm not saying they're not, but there are more than that. I think sometimes loving our neighbor is that, you know, when you see that friend in the grocery store and you run into him, you don't really know him. You know him kind of well, but not super well. And you run into him in the grocery store and you say these words, we should really get together. We should really get together. Our husbands would get along. We should really get together. Uh, we should have you guys over. We should do that. And then you just push your little buggy right past them and you don't talk to them again, right? That happens a lot. Maybe loving our neighbor is actually getting together. Maybe loving our neighbor is actually having them over. It's a radical idea, y'all. Um, maybe, maybe it's the intentionality in the connections of the people in our lives. Because how did Jesus connect with others? How did Jesus connect with others? He broke bread. He sat in their house. He turned their water into wine until they rejoiced together. He spent time with them. How did Jesus love others? He connected. He connected with them. See, you guys need to know. Maxine needs to know that she can call me if she needs prayer. She needs to know that she can call me if she needs help with something, but she needs to know that she can call me and have a cup of coffee. We all need that. I need that from you, and you need that from me, and we need that from the friends in our lives. We need to be able, we can share a meal. Sometimes loving each other is just spending the time. Another radical idea I have about loving our neighbor is verbally telling people that we love them. I know it's weird. There's this instance that I can learn more from our youth group than probably any other time. 80% of the time when the kids leave on Wednesday nights, I get a, I love you, I'll see you next week. I get a hug, I get a high five, and this verbal affirmation of the fact that they know that we love them. It's a magical experience coming from youth kids. I don't know why, I don't know where this comes from in this, in this day and age, but I like it. And I have no problems verbally affirming my love for children. It's easy for me. My own children, those pseudo half-grown weird kids that we have on Wednesday night, I have no problem telling them consistently and repeatedly and over and over again that I love them, I'm happy they're here, I'm happy they're in my life, that I'm happy that God loves them, I love them. That's easy. It gets a little bit more difficult when you raise the ages, doesn't it, for some reason? Uh, it gets a little bit more difficult when we elevate that a little bit to the, our friends around us. But I'm telling you, if you want to see hearts melt, lives changed, easy things to be able to share the love of God, start widening your I love you circle. I know that's weird. But it's magical, the things. It's powerful. It's powerful. Jesus told people he loved them. Jesus told Mary and Martha in that story we just read, he loved them. Jesus said, I loved your brother Lazarus. He said, I love you. There's something powerful about explaining our love in verbal ways. An easy way to let people know that we love them is saying, I love you. God loves you, and I'm happy you're here. 
But see, that takes things to another level though, right? Because for some reason, letting those words come out of our mouth sets us up to be a little vulnerable. It makes us a little vulnerable. But as much as we would like to not admit it, vulnerability is part of the gospel. It is. We would like to skip that part sometimes, but vulnerability is a part of the gospel. Christ, in his foreknowledge, must have known about the death of Lazarus. He had to have. He had to have known he was going to die. That didn't change the fact that Jesus willingly and willfully made a connection with Lazarus, loved his sisters, got connected with them, and then wept at his death. He was connected. Christ, in his foreknowledge, must have known that Judas would betray him. He must have. He must have known one of them would. But what he did was he decided for years to live in close proximity with these men, to break bread with them every day, to wash their feet before the crucifixion, knowing that one would betray him. He loved them. He made himself so vulnerable that he could be connected with them, that he could be hurt, and that he could be loved. Jesus made himself vulnerable. He shared meals, he shared joy, he shared sorrow, and he shared love. We must emulate the ways of Jesus. Author Brene Brown, and if y'all aren't reading Brene Brown, we might be doing something wrong. She also has a Netflix special that we all should watch. It's great. But author Brene Brown, who has a PhD in social sciences and, and has her dissertation on vulnerability, wrote this. She said, we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. When we honor the spiritual connection that grows from offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. We practice vulnerability when we allow ourselves to be seen and known by people in our lives. People have to know us. Many of you have heard me talk often at times about my struggles with miscarriage or postpartum depression or my struggle with grief after the death of my father. Because at some point it is oddly comforting to sit across the table from someone who has shared experiences that is upset and lost and lonely and struggling and hear another person say, I've been there. I know exactly where you're at, and you're not alone. I've been exactly where you're at. I feel the feelings you're feeling, and I want you to know that you are not alone. You're not alone. Vulnerability means knowing that my pain can possibly help others, and then engaging that with them, being present with it in them. To be completely honest, my life would possibly be easier if I never brought up postpartum depression again. It might be easier. But it is richer and fuller to meet with someone at the point of their pain and be present and be present with them in it. It is a richer and fuller, fuller life. And it is how we show the vast and the deep love of Jesus. We connect with those around us. Dolly continues to sing at the end of that song, my world is such an empty place and I need someone to fill the space. So here I am. Here I am. There are many ways to be a follower of Jesus, but today I encourage you 
to listen to the words of Dolly Parton and the life of Jesus. Be present in your relationships. Show up. Invite people into your space. Invite people into your heart, into those places that are intimate and personal. Be vulnerable when you can be. Cultivate those deep relationships, knowing that you could be hurt, but knowing that Christ can be glorified and people can get changed and that the work of the kingdom is evident in those relationships. Those things matter. People matter. Our relationships with our neighbor matters. And that's good news. That's good news for all of us today. Let us pray.